Welcome back, Arizona. How you doing? Welcome back to another edition of the Arizona Podcast. Gabe and I have been burning the midnight oil for multiple nights, bringing you a complete breakdown of the Pac-12, including over-under picks for the entire season. Now we're turning our attention to week zero, including our opponent, Hawaii, with a complete breakdown of the Wildcats and our expectations for the game, including against the spread and over-under scoring for the game. Remember, we are now on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube. Remember, we are the Arizona Podcast. That's Echo Romeo Alpha. When you enter your search, remember to follow Gabe and Cenas at Gabe underscore and Cenas, Brandon Combs at U of A Bear Down 07, and Javi at, at Players Program U. Follow the podcast on Twitter at PodcastZona. Visit us on Facebook. Facebook at the Arizona podcast, email the podcast at Arizona podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email, tweet, Facebook, post any comments or question. Finally, be sure to visit players program and AZDS recruiting weebly.com for all the latest on Arizona football. Please tackle 14 for Arizona. That's the difference in the football game. He was amazing. Tate is doing things that I see Reggie Bush didn't do, Matt Leiner didn't do, Marcus Mariota didn't do, Marcus Allen didn't do. He's won four straight Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Week awards. an absolute strike. A pass that couldn't have been thrown any more accurately from Tate. Make sure you guys kind of have to do this week uh, to make sure you can contain him on Saturday. Right. Gabe, how you doing? Are you excited for Hawaii finally? Oh, I'm juiced, baby. It's been a long time, and now this is the good stuff here, baby. Three hours to be specific. That's how long it's been. Oh, yeah. Um, Well, let's start with uh, Hawaii and just uh, break down uh, the Wildcats' uh, opponent. Um, The Warriors... um, have played uh, 15 games against uh, the conference over the last 10 years. Their head coach is Rick uh, Rolovich. Uh, in Hawaii's first five uh, wins against uh, teams that finished 101st or worse in SMP Plus, the three teams that pummeled the Warriors uh, during their own fourth stretch were in the top 50. Hawaii uh, had an 8 and 5 regular season record and a second bowl win in three a second bowl game in three seasons under Rolovich. Uh, Cole McDonald threw for 385 yards and 35 touchdowns as a sophomore and first-year starter. Uh, they bring back almost all of last year's starters plus most of the, most of the coaching staff and second string. Uh, but Rolovich was still able to bring in eight more JUCO transfers. On offense, uh, McDonald took over where uh, Drew, when Drew Brown transferred to Oklahoma State. 
Um, if he hadn't missed the Wyoming game, he would have definitely crossed 4,000 yards and was on a nearly 5,000-yard pace before he suffered a midseason foot injury. Um, he also showed exciting running ability, averaging 5.8 yards uh, per non-sack carry. Even with some uh, later season regression, Hawaii finished 28th in marginal passing efficiency and 40th in overall passing SMP. John Ursa was part of the reason he caught 89 passes for 1343 yards and 16 touchdowns before declaring for the draft almost immediately after Hawaii's bowl loss to Louisiana Tech. Um, he was a security blanket in the slot with big playability, losing him plus 50 catch wideout Marcus Armstrong Brown is a blow, but a good sign for Arizona. Senior Cedric Bird and JoJo Ward combined for 130 yards, excuse me, 130 catches, 1845 yards, and 18 touchdowns as the number two and three targets. Bird was the most efficient of McDonald's key targets, and Ward averaged an explosive 17 yards per catch. When Ward got loose, Hawaii won. He had 40 catches for 685 yards and eight wins and 11 for 180 yards and six losses. Former Cal blue chipper Marquis Stovall joins the lineup, and Kumoka Noah played a larger role when Ursa got hurt in 2017. He also returns. Senior Jason Matthew Sarsh uh, could take on a bigger role after catching nine passes for 152 yards. Last year, three-star redshirt freshman Eric Rooks Bring size. Rolovich assigned a pair of Jucos in Jared Smart and James Phillips and a pair of three-star freshmen in Jonah Pinocchi and Stephen Fiso. Uh, offensive coordinator Brian Smith uh, had sophomore Fred Hawley III and a 250-pound linebacker turned tight end, turned running back in Dayton Furuta and freshman Miles Reed, who took spots uh, manning the number one running back spot. Uh, the most successful rushers by far were McDonald and backup quarterback uh, Chavin Cordero, um, though Futura, Futura was uh, efficient between the tackles. Hawaii uh, handed out uh, 42 of 70 start starts uh, up front to freshmen and sophomores, and uh, freshman guard uh, Solo Viapulu uh, earned honorable mention to honorable mention All Mountain West Conference. On defense, uh, Rolovich brought in Honolulu prospect and former Lane Kiffin assistant Corey Batoon as his defensive coordinator last year. Um, he's an accomplished recruiter, and he spent a lot of time helping to design the type of aggressive defense that tends to work on the islands. Uh, when the Warriors did get a pe- pass rush opportunity, they teed off ranking 34th in sack rate and 33rd in passing down sack rate. They were particularly aggressive near the goal line and uh, their own goal line, and it paid off at times. They also got gashed a lot. They gave up nearly two gains per game of 40-plus yards for 120 seconds in FBS in the category and ranked 111th in marginal explosiveness allowed. Um, they were equal opportunity to 111th in marginal rushing explosiveness, 102nd versus a pass. Technically, they improved overall from 123rd to 118th in defensive S&P, but that's only because they were near the bottom of the uh, FBS, uh, they did, after all, give up 29.6 points per games in wins. Uh, a lot of the best players were freshmen and sophomores, including those tackle Blessman, Ta'ala, linebacker Penny Pavaini, and safety Corey Bethley were key contributors and all have at least two years, two more years of eligibility. So does linebacker Jeremiah Pritchard, who recorded 6.5 tackles for loss in 2017 before redshirting last year. 
most of their best Havoc creators in uh, Kiamana, Padello, and linebackers Solomon, Matatuatia, and uh, Pavini. Uh, cornerbacks, uh, Rogesterman, Ferris II are all back. The front six should be decent with uh, everybody but in Zeno Choi and linebacker Jelani Tavai returning. Uh, Pritchard should offset the Tavai loss. Three Juco transfers and a pair of three-star redshirt freshman ends, including uh, Jonah Kalawai Welsh was one of the more uh, regarded 2018 signees. 310-pound uh, uh, Tala'a uh, could... Uh, f- Further, a solid partnership with a quicker uh, Samuela Akiotu at tackle. Um, also, sophomore linebacker Paul Scott uh, might have more opportunities. The secondary struggled, uh, but is more experienced and has been in a while, led by a trio of senior safeties, including Ikem OK and Corners Ferris and Jalen Hicks. Um, younger players such as Bethel and redshirt freshman Kai Kanashiro, um might add some additional stability to the program. Finally, wrapping up with special teams, Ryan uh, Meskel uh, was a rock, making almost all of his shorter kicks, plus three of five field goals over 40 yards. Place kickers carry the heaviest weight in special teams S&P formula, so that's big for their ranking. The rest of the unit uh, has plenty to prove, though. Gabe, what's your take on Hawaii and their high production offense and uh, save of a defense? So the offense worries me a little bit. Um, and I think, I mean, it's kind of for a few reasons getting into, I guess, more of the matchups here, but the travel to Hawaii and then just also having just a team in Hawaii, uh, seems just like a lot to, I guess, deal with in your very first week of travel on a brand new season, uh, to open up the college football season as a whole. Uh, and then Cole McDonald, the guy who, is pretty well respected, I'd say, for being a quarterback at Hawaii. Uh, he's been recognized a lot this offseason. Um, you know, they, they had a, a rough tumble last year. Um, but I think that he's a guy who, I mean, I don't think that he'll go wazoo on, on Arizona, but he's a guy who could definitely uh, expose Arizona a little bit if things aren't tightened up in time. And that's, of course, with the road travel and all of that adjustment factor um, kind of in the back of my mind as well. Um, they have some they have some guys that uh, receiver um, who I think are, are viable options who I, I don't think they themselves will give Arizona trouble. I think it's just more so uh, McDonald just finding the right guys. Uh, I totally forgot about Melky Stovall. A huge four-star guy, uh, probably in the 2017, maybe 18 class. I know he's still fairly young. Uh, So I'm interested to see if he has taken a bulk of the snaps this fall or where he falls in that uh, depth chart. But uh, overall, I think it's a a decent offense, and it's it's a nice offense to open up against, kind of see what Arizona has in terms of you know, I guess just an improved defense in general, see more of this four-man front. So the offense I am a little worried about, and I think that Arizona could get in a little bit of trouble here. Um, so it's something to watch out for. Defense, uh, I mean, really not too concerning uh, for Arizona here. 
I think Khalil Tate will be just fine. Hopefully he has everything under control. Uh, no injuries that, that come up and sneak up on him. Uh, but defense, not so much a concern for me. It's really just the offense that I, I'd be worried about. But uh, I, overall, I'm still a little nervous just for the matchup in general and the travel and just being week zero. Um you know, it's not a game where I, I think I'm chalking up completely 100% confidence that it's a win. Uh, maybe I'm just a little bit scarred from last year's preseason under someone. But, um, you know, I, I think Hawaii is a good start to really see what we have for this season. Yeah, all you got to do is mention Arizona basketball in the Bahamas and uh... – and island travel and Arizona fans are going to start to develop PTSD. So it's understandable we might be a little gun shy in the tropics. Um, let's uh, turn our attention to the uh, trusty game notes um, uh, as we set up for that. And then we'll wrap up with uh, Arizona with the over under and then our picks um, over under for the season and the game. And then uh, our picks against the spread. Uh, the Arizona uh, Wildcats are 83, 27 and five all time in the first game of the season. Um, the last time the Wildcats opened with a, True road game was in 2018, or excuse me, 2010 at Toledo's, where they beat the Rockets a 41 to two. That was uh, Mike Stoops' uh, years. I remember that game. How about you, Gabe? Uh, I can't say I do. I, I wasn't uh, fully bought in on Arizona until really I got there as a freshman in 2012. Ah, so young, Gabe. So young. Yeah. Um, the Wildcats are five and five in the last ten times they've opened the season on the road. Um, they've opened, they did open five straight road games from 1997 to 2001. That's a pretty interesting uh, run. Uh, they've never started a season earlier than August 24th, prior to Saturday's game in uh, Honolulu. The earliest Wildcats have ever started a season game was on August 28th, 1999 at Penn State. Uh, they're 8-2 and two in their last uh, 10 season opening games overall, uh, which makes sense with the head um, with the out-of-conference. Um, Tate enters this season with 43 career passing touchdowns, which ranks tied for 6th all-time. He also has 43-64 passing yards, which is 12th all-time in Arizona. Uh, Tate's 62-32 uh, career total offensive yards ranks 7th in school history. I've often made the argument that um, the list of accomplished quarterbacks at Arizona is so short, you almost have to give uh, anyone with any marginal success at least consideration. Uh, what do you make of his standing historically at this point, and what are you thinking for the future, Gabe? Uh, I mean... Going into this season, and I guess, I mean, maybe this was just even a month ago, um, I was saying that the team goes as far as Khalil Tate. And, you know, I don't think he's going to break back into his 2017 season where, I mean, he single-handedly won games and kept Rich Rod's job. But I think that with Grant Gannell's, I guess, rise or high praise that he's had in fall camp it makes me feel a little bit better so i guess with that being said i'm not totally sold on the quiltate experience still um you know there's just a lot of things in terms of decision making and just 
I I don't know. Just his overall play that I just it, it was hard to to watch last year and and hopefully I mean there were great things said all spring and fall about uh, him and his relationship with Noel Mazzoni and how he understands the offense a lot more and you know things are just jiving. But for me, and I guess I'm okay with it because there's only one more year of Khalil Tate at most. Um, so with that being said, I, I, I would ride it out for one last year and, and see what you have with Gunnell next year. But at the same time, I think if, if Arizona starts getting a little dicey, a little stagnant, and things just aren't meshing with Khalil Tate, I could definitely see Grant Gunnell coming in, uh, taking some reps as the starting quarterback and uh you know, maybe even taking over the full-time job as we enter the season. Uh, I think he's kind of the long-term solution, both for this season and for Arizona in general. Uh, I mean, if you if Khalil Tate's out for a drive or is just getting assessed or taped up, I think Rhett's your guy just to get a quick and dirty drive in before Tate's ready to go. But, uh, I mean, if, if there's some multiple game stretches, I think Gunnell's the guy, and so... Uh, I mean, really, I'm on the Gunnell train, but I mean, I hope Khalil Tate proves me wrong and and gets back or close to his 2017 self where, you know, he's just that dynamic playmaker, uh, just looks confident, looks healthy, and he's ready to roll. So, uh, I mean, that's kind of the big thing for me right now is just trying to wait and see what Khalil Tate does this year. Well, let's uh, just go over some of the numbers, and then I'll, I'll j- let's bounce to the depth chart at quarterback and kind of explore that a little bit more. Uh, like I mentioned, he's passed for forty three sixty four yards in his career, which is twelfth uh, in program history. He'll need another seven hundred yards to break into the top ten. Uh, he's rushed for eighteen seventy two yards, and in an, another one hundred twenty eight yards, uh, he'll make he'll be the seventeenth player to rush for two thousand yards. Um, he's racked up 6,236 yards in total offense, which currently ranks seventh in school history with only 72 more yards. Uh, he would move to sixth. Uh, even more impressive, impressively, he has passed for 43 touchdowns in his career, which is tied for sixth. With two more touchdowns, he would match Bruce Hill for number five, another six touchdowns, and he would catch a new Solomon, who currently sits at three. And I know a new got really beat up, but for a long time, I thought a new was going to be the greatest quarterback in Arizona history um, just based on his early uh, his first season of starting um, who so he sits at number three with 49 career touchdowns so his, his opportunity to become an all-time take statistically great quarterback I think is probably undeniable although I think his injury history is pretty significant um, let's see if I can find some of these stats so career uh, passing touchdowns, Khalil Tate, number five, Bruce Hill with two more, Tom Tunnicliffe with three more, Anu with six more, and then it's Nick Foles and Willie Tuatama with 67. So um, not inconceivable uh, for him to catch those gentlemen. Uh, career total offense, um, Nick Foles comes in at number one at 9,712 yards. Um 
he'd have to have a heck of a year in both um, rushing and passing to surpass that, obviously. Uh, and career passing yards, uh, Khalil's currently parked at 12th at uh, 4364, and not much threats to kick to catch Nick Foles at 10,001. Um, so the the depth chart came out today, Gabe. Um, as you uh, point out, it's Gannell. Little R, Little R, and Khalil Tate, but not necessarily in the order that you discussed. It was Rich Rod, uh, Rhett Rod, then Grant Gannell. What do you make of Kevin Sumlin's choice to put him in that order, and do you think that's problematic? Uh, I mean, I don't think it's problematic. I think, depending on the situation, it's a little accurate. Um, where, I mean, I guess I... I talked about it a little bit short term you need someone in a game to just mop something up or um you know step in for Khalil Tate after an injury I think Rhett is your guy he's he's obviously limited physically but incredibly smart but just you know it, it's not ideal for Arizona to win games I don't think he's someone who could um you know win game or string together wins I should say um Gunnell I I think I think he's ultimately the number two guy just in terms of if you need someone to start if if Quilte is hurt for a game and he's gonna miss um you know week four or whatever it is uh I think Gunnell is kind of your number two guy there and he'll start and and open that game as the number one guy on the deck chart. And so it, I think it just depends, but I mean, maybe it's to fire up Gunnell a little bit. And, you know, they've been, they've been praising him all fall and maybe just want to make sure that he's not totally, uh, I don't know, just a head full of air right now. And so we'll see, but I, I think ultimately Gunnell will be the number two. And, um, I mean, number three, yeah, I, I don't think there's much to it. I think Gunnell will be number two. I don't know why someone would. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he does that just to protect Lil Tate a little bit as well. Now that, I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, he doesn't want it to be like, oh, well, Gunnell's hot on his tail right now. And, you know, maybe in a few weeks we'll be seeing Lil Tate or Grant Gunnell. Um, I don't know. That's something I just randomly thought of. So, uh uh, could be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't see that as much of a threat because I think prior to the, the you know the impending start of the season, Tate was a transfer risk, and um, anything that threatened his ability to start probably uh, at least uh, titillated for the possibility of transfer. That's clearly out of the uh, window at this point in time, and so I, I don't think that any sort of perception unless Khalil Tate continues to be as brittle as uh, peanut brittle um, from a, an ego standpoint, making that space for Khalil Tate doesn't make a lot of sense. And, you know, if you're a conspiracy board, uh, a football board conspiracy theorist, your concern with someone's history of driving away quarterbacks would be that he doggedly sticks to starting Rhett Rodriguez, despite his obvious lack of, 
physical attributes just because he has the uh, coach-in-waiting uh, mentality. And as someone pointed out in his presser today, you know, he, he's been here longer than I have, as someone said, and he started a game. But I think most of us are really counting on Grant Gannell to be the future. And if you're really going to get in the weeds, you might be concerned that this could be perceived by Grant, who does have the ability to transfer uh, as a slight um, or lack of recognition. I don't know if that's much ado and conspiracy theory, but that's certainly been something that's been thrown out. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And I think, uh, like you said, I mean, he's he's here uh, still, Quill Tate. And, you know, in the, well, immediately after the season, there were rumblings where, hey, this guy could transfer out and then there are even some rumors in spring where it's like all right we're gonna feel out spring practice and uh see how Gunnell does and uh I don't know he he was kind of in that zone where it's like anything like you said that questions his starting capability um you know that could make him flee and I mean, he's, he's here, and I think that that risk is obviously gone now as we are well, days away. We're, yeah, we're four days away right now. Ooh, um, I get excited just hearing that, Gabe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, but yeah, it, it is interesting, and we'll see how Grant Gunnell, I guess, gets his opportunities throughout the season. Uh, Hawaii would be interesting if they throw him out week zero uh nau i i don't know if you really want to i mean it depends on if arizona's up big then you're just letting ganel kind of get some some decent snaps in there and um texas tech that would that would be a heck of a start to his career depending on how things go um so i don't know that, that i'm curious to know when ganel will be finally unleashed well, you know, I, I'd say if you're if you want to see overall success in the program, Tate is lives up to the off season reports that he's he's finally got you know a lot of his issues resolved, and uh, he holds on to the starting job and lives up to his athletic potential with continued improvement in leadership and. Uh, progression in the quarterback position. I think that's the best case scenario. I can imagine a scenario where um, Mazzoni, who I'm definitely not a fan of, and someone are protecting uh, Grant Gannell a little bit. They don't want to throw him out in game one or game two. I mean, game two NAU, probably not a problem, but game one or game three against a little more competition in the sense that, hey, you know, bringing out a, a young guy, maybe he gets a concussion, gets an injury, gets rattled. You want to give him some time to mature into his body. I'm sure they want to buy him as much time as possible. So I, I like your approach to it. If it's if it's if it's little R, little R for a, a, a series or even a half or a quarter just to buy time until Tate can return or to uh, bleed out the clock in the end of a game, you know, that we can win, then you probably save Gannell. Uh, but it'll be really interesting to see how they get rolled out. Um, not so much chronologically at, at NAU, and I don't want to get too many weeks ahead, but, uh, you know, just put a pin in this. If Rodriguez takes significantly more straps than Gannell, not comes out first, but takes more snaps, um, 
then I think you start to wonder about the whole uh, conspiracy theory nonsense and, and, and where they're projecting these things going forward. Because from a physical stature standpoint, I, in my mind, there's no doubt that little R, little R uh, really isn't a, a power five quality uh, quarterback. Uh, any final thoughts on that, Gabe? Um, no, I, I don't think there's much more. I, I do think, I don't think the chronological chronological order matters, uh, like you said, but I think it comes down to just overall reps in a game. And, and then eventually, I mean, I'd be curious even, I know Rhett is number two and Grant's three technically, um, but I'd be curious to see who's actually running with the twos and who's running with the threes in practice. Um, just because I feel like that is more indicative of the true order compared to um, what's actually on the depth chart. Maybe that's to catch Grand Ganell up a little bit and, and have him play up a little bit more. And Red's kind of already been there. You know exactly what you have with him. I don't think he's someone who will get, uh, I guess, a heap better than than what he already is right now. So. Um, just kind of some interesting conversation. Yeah, uh, definitely fodder for the boards. Uh, let's go back to the game notes and talk about J.J. Taylor. Uh, the redshirt junior finished the 2018 season with uh, 1434 rushing yards, the fourth, the fourth most in a single season in Arizona school history, and the seventh most in the nation last year. He became the 14th player in school history to accumulate a thousand plus rushing yards in a single season. He also went over the 2000 yard mark for his career. He has tallied uh, 2442 yards uh, as a wildcat, which is 10th most in school history. The next player on the list sitting at number nine with 2571 yards. Uh, just 29 more is David Adams. Taylor eclipsed the 100 mark yard the 100-yard mark five times in 2018, four of which came in the final five games of the season. He has piled up 100 yards in eight games during his collegiate career. His first career 100-yard game came in 2016 against Hawaii, which was an excellent game when they uh, revealed those alternative jersey. He rushed for 168 yards and one touchdown. Um, career rushing yards leader J.J. Taylor is currently 10th, uh, 29 yards to hit David Adams. Uh, eighth is Nick Grisby. Seventh is Nick Wilson. Sixth is Hubie Oliver. Fifth is Mike Bell. Four is Art Lapino. Three is Anawan Carter. Four is Trunk Candidate. And number one is Kadeem Carey, who could have come back for another year. Imagine what he would have racked up then. Uh, thoughts on J.J. Taylor? Uh, I absolutely love him. I've always been an advocate of him being an every down back. I know there's always been concern because he's 5'6", 180. Um, that, you know, he is endurable, but I mean, he's had some of the highest average carries per game in the nation. And what now he's one of the top backs returning in the country. Uh, and I think, I mean, he's just an awesome player to watch a great piece on this offense as well. Uh, I'm interested to see how Gary Brightwell, uh, I guess, I don't want to say takes away from his, his snap count, but how I, how he manages the overall workload there because um, he's another great piece and I think underrated piece um, 
for, I guess, as much attention as J.J. Taylor gets, I feel like Brightwell doesn't get uh, enough. And so uh, Taylor, I think, is another important piece to the puzzle along with Quill Tate. And if those two guys are jiving, then, I mean, it's going to be hard to stop Arizona's offense. But running back is absolutely loaded this year. So um, there's not too much pressure on on Taylor to perform. But, um, I mean, he's a great piece to have every week. Yeah, as you alluded to, the uh, depth chart is listed as J.J. Taylor is a starter. uh, Backups uh, all Signified by the or next to the names include Gary Brightwell, Bam Smith, Nathan Nathan Tilford, um, and so and uh, Michael Wiley. So it's really uh, JJ and then the rest of the gang. Um, I think it's nice to have such uh, such a an abundance of running backs in the stable, and certainly uh, JJ's outlast any concerns I've had about his durability. I'm not particularly concerned in that regard. I think it's all a matter of trying to get more snaps, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Mazzoni putting two backs um, in the game um, and running one out uh, in the flank like we saw in the spring game quite a bit just to get more opportunities for that talented group, especially with the uh, turnover in the uh, wide receiver core. What's your thoughts on two-back sets, Gabe? I mean, I'm a fan. I, I It depends on the formation, of course, but I feel like you always have to have your best players on the field. And to me, Gary Brightwell is one of the best skill players that Arizona has. Like, I'd rather have him than, uh, I guess, another fourth receiver. I mean, I don't want to get too much into the receivers, but, I mean, there are some receivers that I'd just, or I guess there are, I'd rather have Gary Brightwell than some of the receivers out there um, that you can do a lot more of. And, I mean, by no means is Gary Brightwell like a, power back like a zach green was um but i mean he's got some size and some strength to him and you can do a lot of things with him and great pass catcher as well and i mean there's a lot of options that you can have on offense i don't recall too much of a two-back set run last year but uh i mean like i said i'm a fan of always having your best players on the field and if that means you know moving positions or moving guys around, then I'm all for it. Speaking of uh, Gary, as a number two back, uh, last year he had 525 yards and three touchdowns on 91 carries. Uh, he had uh, the most uh, yards per rush at 5.8. Uh, let, let's move on to the wide re- receiver group. Uh, Cedric Peterson uh, is uh, a redshirt senior uh, and the top returning pass catcher from the 2018 season. A uh, pretty uh, daunting replacement of our top three wide receivers as uh, Cedric only had 18 catches for 268 yards and four touchdowns. The wide receiver uh, depth chart came out, and outside uh, starters include uh, Dixon and uh, newcomer uh, Booby Curry are listed as co starters on the outside receiver spot opposite uh, Cedric Peterson. What do you make of Booby Curry's making the starting outside wide receiver group? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a little interesting that he's a Drew Dixon or Jalen Curry. I think the hope would have been to have 
Jalen Curry just flat out dominate. I mean, I know he's only been here since fall camp. Um, you know, it's not like he had the full. No, he was he here for. He was. Oh, I can't remember if he's here for fall or spring, but I think we need to refer to him as Booby because that's you know super awesome. Sure, sure, yes. Let's let's get it right. Um, Jalen Curry, I'm. Totally You're gonna be throwing me off. I'm gonna be like, who the hell is Jalen? Oh yeah, he was he was here in the uh, spring, so he did have all spring. So I guess I mean I'm uh, okay. I'm not disappointed, but. Uh, or nervous, but I guess maybe a little concerned that, um, you know, he's not like the flat out starter like Cedric Peterson is, but, uh, Booby Curry, I I expect a lot out of him. I think he's going to be Arizona's go-to target, uh, over the next 12, 13, or however many over the season. Um, I, I expect him to probably lead the team in receiving. Um, and I think, one, that's simply because of his talent. Two, there's just a couple receivers where I'm like, yeah, I mean, you're maybe good for like two, 300 yards and, you know, a, a dozen or so catches. But um, Jalen, I think, will have a great year this year um, and be kind of that lead guy. As far as Drew Dixon is concerned, I mean, it's great that he's made like such progress at when he was at Sabino, I mean, he was the running back, receiver, quarterback, punter, safety. He did everything for them. Uh, and I always thought, I mean, he had a huge frame, a, a great, strong body. Uh, I think that he, I, it was going to be a project for sure when he first arrived on campus. And now uh, it's year two for him, or right? he's entering his third year. Um and I think that, you know, he's probably made the right steps to become a great receiver here at 6'3", 205. That's great size. Again, he's big, strong, physical. Um, you know, I'm interested to see. He didn't play a whole lot last year, so uh, really throwing him into the fire here as a starter um, after having some tune-up the last two years. So I'm interested to see that part of Drew Dixon. Yeah, I mean, I think it was well anticipated that he'd be there. But I, I have to agree with you. I, I'm a little bit disappointed that Booby didn't come in and, and, and dominate right out of the gate. I mean, at 6'2", 207, he and Drew Dixon finally bring some significant size uh, to the outside positions with the obvious um, exception of Poindexter, who was sort of the outlier in last year's team. There's going to be ample outside size and athleticism. Between those two uh, listed as oars, Cedric Peterson, and then uh, Jamari Joyner transitioning from the uh, quarterback group um, to the uh, wide receiver group is 6'1", 205, and an excellent athlete. Um, Our inside wide receivers um, include uh, Brian Castile and uh, Jamari Joyner. so it's going to be interesting to see a, a four wide out set that could include Drew Dixon, Jamari Joyner, Brian Castile, Cedric Peterson, or potentially a five or wide receiver set with uh, Booby Curry out there. Um, I think that this is a group that if you're going to pick an offensive breakout player and uh, one of our uh, followers on Twitter, uh, Shane R, follow him at, at uh, capital STR Robertson 17 um, was wondering who we thought would be the breakout players for uh, 
or, or surprise players on offense and defense. And I think this is a pretty good group to look for a surprise player on offense, uh, just because so much is unknown in that group. Do you have a particular offensive player that you feel like is going to be a surprise or breakout player um, that you'd like to highlight? So I was a little surprised when the depth chart came out today and there was one name that I saw that he got a lot of love in the spring and he was a guy that coaches said, hey, if if we were playing Hawaii next week, he'd start. And now he's suddenly fourth at slot and that's Jaden Mitchell. Um, I mean, he had a lot of good things from, from day one of spring camp and all throughout and I don't know what's happened. I mean, maybe that's, you know, a testament to the to the depth ahead of him. I, I know there's been a lot of positive things about Joyner. Um, and similar to Booby Curry and his, uh, I guess, or I guess my concern towards him not coming out to dominate. For me, I'm a little concerned that, I guess, Joyner flips positions in a matter of you know a couple practices and is suddenly one of Arizona's best receivers and now potentially starting in the slot I know he's a freak athlete and um, you know just one of the best athletes on the team if not the most athletic but um, you know I'm interested to see how he actually goes out there and performs Brian Castile, he's just been injured his first two years here. Uh, I, I mean, hopefully this is the year for him. I think he's caught one. He caught one pass um, in the bowl game against Purdue, and that was it. Um, so hopefully, kind of like Drew Dixon, he's just getting thrown right in there uh, without much experience. Um, Tavian Cunningham, I think that that was a nice late pickup for Kevin Sumlin. Uh, just the ultra speedster kind of replaces Devon Cooper. Um, but I think his upside is definitely in special teams and kind of that return role. Um, but I guess getting back to the, the question, I, I'm going to go with Jaden Mitchell, especially since I think he hasn't been talked about a lot at all fall camp. I think it's mostly been Joyner and Drew Dixon, a lot of the Tucson guys. And, and obviously you like to see Barry Hill in there as well of that Tucson trio down there. But I, I think Jaden Mitchell will be my guy. I think he's someone who can step up into a bigger role over the course of the year. Um, I, you know, it, it's tough to know. I have, there hasn't been much on Tavian Cunningham lately, and I know he was a late ad, so um, not too much about him going on in fall camp. And then Joyner, just a ton of hype surrounding him. I, I hope he can live up to it. Um, you know, there's been a lot of good things said about him. and Brian Castillo, I, I mean, I'd love for him to break out. He was ultra productive in high school, but uh, just hasn't been able to be, be on the field. So um, for me, I think Jaden Mitchell can be that sneaky guy who can come up. And, I mean, he's not going to he's not going to be a, a top two three receiver for Arizona but I think he could finish um you know with 400 yards and, and a couple touchdowns and someone who's not being talked to a lot about right now I like that that's like super deep 
um, and sneaky good. Uh, I think I'm going to be a little more um, predictable and and sort of call him not so much a surprise player, but more a breakout player for the year. And I'm going to go with Booby Curry. Just looking back at his film, uh, you know, it's pretty rare that Arizona, you know, successfully lands someone with that kind of talent and that kind of film. Usually those are the guys we just miss out on. And I think while Drew Dixon has the seniority, I think he's going to have plenty of opportunities. And I would argue that this uh, representation of the uh, team um, is representative of someone's progression towards bigger, more physical players um, and as a distinct departure from how Rich Rod would have recruited and ultimately um, distributed his players on the uh, depth chart. Uh, So I I think in that group, it's just so obvious you have to go there. Uh, Going down the rest of the depth chart, Bryce Wilma has solidified him as the starter with Zach Williams as his backup. Um, Zach Williams uh, was previously listed as a wide receiver, but at 6'2", 216, um, he's a little bit light, and he's been referred to by receivers coach uh, uh, Theron Eich as a hybrid Um Jake Peters uh, didn't sneak into the depth chart with his more traditional uh, tight end physique at 6'4", 235. Any comments on the uh, tight ends, Gabe, other than we'd like to see them more involved in in catching the ball? Yeah, I mean, it feels like Bryce Wilma had such a great freshman year and was hardly used last year, so hopefully you can utilize him. I mean, even as a blocker, um, it feels like he really wasn't out there for a whole lot of snaps to begin with. I was surprised to see Zach Williams there, uh, mostly because I felt like he had mostly been working with the wide receivers, but I guess he is with the tight end. Kind of that odd hybrid tweener at tight end, kind of that Terrence Miller type of athlete, I would say maybe more of an H back, but um glad that he's there. And then, yeah, a little, a little odd just to see Jake Peters not in the mix. But uh, me personally, I think I'd rather have um, Zach Williams out on the field over Peters at the moment just because of that versatility. And then you have more of your traditional guy like Wilma. Moving on to the offensive line, uh, starters uh, Donovan Lay, who has just been an absolute uh gem of a recruit recruit and it's going to be a pleasure watching his four-year uh, career at arizona as a starting uh first right tackle and probably going to cement the positional left tackle for the remainder of his career uh, robert congle edged out uh josh donovan uh, for the left guard position with josh mccauley holding on to his walk-on starter position cody creason's at right guard and Edgar Barola and Peyton Fears are likely to split some time at right tackle. Um, Jordan Morgan made the two deep as a true freshman, along with uh, Josh Donovan, Stephen Bailey, and Bryson Kane. Um, as someone, ha- someone noted in his press conference, Arizona entered last year's opener with one returning starter uh, available and a walk-on center. Uh, this year they have three returning starters, including the center, McCauley, who uh, – who earned a scholarship uh, as, as come as someone said, quote, so you've got to feel better about where you're at right now. Jordan Morgan, who is out of Morana probably needs to add some more muscle at six, five, 287, but has good athleticism and footwork uh, to start sooner rather than later. What do you think about the offensive line Gabe? 
I, I think it's in a good spot with your three kind of cornerstone guys that were there last year. Donovan, like you said, is going to be there for the next three or four years. Um, you have Josh McCauley, who really emerged last year and himself a scholarship. And then Cody Creason. I mean, you can ask him to really play any position on the line and he can he's a plug-and-play guy and someone who has probably been underappreciated throughout his five years here um but again similar to curry and um and i guess the the disappointment or concern where uh at least for peyton fears um yeah i would have thought i mean he was very well regarded at a junior college uh turned down west virginia um gosh maybe oklahoma state i'm blanking on the rest of his offers but uh he had a great offer list and just dominated at the junior college ranks and for me edgar barola was never really someone who i thought would get much playing time at arizona Uh, at the time i felt like it was kind of a a bundled deal with tony wallace and tony fields out of desert pines uh, then he suffered a shoulder injury his senior year and sat out, red-shirted. Um, kind of flirted with the two deep a little bit, but didn't expect him to, to be in the mix for a starting role here. So uh, kind of disappointed that Peyton didn't dominate from the start. And uh, he's kind of just been just hanging around with Edgar Barola here. And we'll see who actually comes out as a starter. And then... At left guard, I, I was a big Josh Donovan fan when they signed him uh, at a junior college. But for the last, I guess, well, I, he was ineligible last year, Robert Congle. Um, but I guess all throughout spring, I had kind of pegged him as, you know, or I guess even even after last season before Donovan and Fears were even a part of the class. I'd always pegged Congle as someone who could start somewhere on the line. Um, you had Macaulay at center, so I felt like he could take over a guard position. So I feel a little bit comfortable. I feel more comfortable at left guard than I do right tackle right now, just because I feel like either of those options are very viable. For me, I just get a little nervous that fears never pulled away and your next guy up would be Edgar Barola, but hopefully he's developed well over the last few years and um it is interesting to see jordan morgan there as a true freshman uh i think on signing day they announced him at 270 maybe 275 so uh he's packed on a a a good chunk of weight but definitely needs some more as he develops and then looking at the backups bryce and kane that's that's a good veteran to have there uh bailey i don't know how many snaps he's really ever played here I feel like Robert Congle would slide in at center uh, if that is ever the case. And I guess that's it for offensive line there. Um, Yeah, no other notes really for me there. You'll have a couple uh, backups, I guess, with Josh, John Jacobs, John, yeah, John Jacobs. uh, The walk-on has been there for a while. I know he flirted on the two deep a while ago. And then uh, Jamari Williams was your other 2019 class uh, guy. And then I'm trying to think off the top of my head, any other linemen, but that might be it. So the uh, offensive line last season, uh, despite um, it's a stitched together uh, composure, 
uh, ranked allowed uh, just 50 tackles for loss, which ranked fourth in the country. And they allowed the fewest um, sacks in the last three years in the Pac-12 uh, with 67 total sacks. Not something you think about Arizona as it relates to um, um, offensive line production, but they've been very effective in that regard. Probably related to a, a lot of the running uh, aspects of the offense. Again, uh, Arizona's led the Pac-12 in rushing last season for the third straight yard. They averaged 202.4 rushing yards per game, uh, marking the fourth straight season. The program averaged 200 or more yards per game. Um, Arizona is one of just eight programs nationally and one of three Power Five programs to average at least 200 yards rushing per game over the past four seasons. I'm guessing you can bet you can pick most of the teams that would fall into that category. Let's guess Georgia Tech, Army, Air Force, Navy. Uh, the other three, Georgia Southern, Oklahoma, and Appalachian State, uh, one would forgive you for not knowing off the top of your um, head, but only those eight teams have accomplished that feat. Over the past five seasons, when Arizona has rushed for over 200 or more yards, the Wildcats are 24 and 10 in games where Arizona hasn't reached the 150 yard mark. Uh, it is 4 and 14. Arizona is 26 and 8 in that span when it has a 100 yard rusher. Uh, Arizona has dominated the Pac 12 rushing uh, scene the Pac the past three years and is the only program to top 9,000 yards in that span with 9,270. In fact, only Oregon has topped the 800 yard mark. So a 1,270 yard difference between us and Oregon. Um, I think that's a big testament to the offensive line. Obviously rich rods, uh, scheme lended to those uh, kinds of numbers, but I think Credit uh, is due in an area that I think has been largely underrated, as you alluded to, Gabe. Um, let's move on to the depth chart to the defense um, and talk about the defensive linemen. A lot of big news here with uh, starters uh, J.B. Brown, Miles uh, Tapu Soa, and Trevin Mason as a big two big uh, Juco transfers. And then Jalen Harris makes the new four man front uh, backups include Kylan Wilborn, uh, Fenton Connolly, Mikey Irving, and Justin Belknap. Um, you know, it's interesting uh, that uh, Tapu Soa and Mason um, came in sort of out of shape, um, had some difficulty getting on the field, and subsequently now are being quite lauded for their um, performance in practice. What do you make of the JUCO transfers coming in and making the starting lineup, Gabe? Yeah, Tapu Soa, there was some concern almost, I feel like it was like the first day or two, maybe three of camp. Um, where he got hurt and just had to sit out. And I think the concern with that, um, you know, they're already bigger guys not used to the conditioning at Arizona. Um, and, you know, when you're sitting out with a lower body or ankle injury, you know, it's easy to, to get out of shape and, and it's hard to pick it back up. So I think that was a big concern, but I guess he's – been able to turn it up ever since then and then uh trevon mason he was originally supposed to enroll in december or january however you want to cut it off there but um did not arrive when they had announced him as a mid-year enrollee and then 
Um, I up until July, I feel like maybe mid July, um, they were unsure if he was going to make it. So, um, kind of a very quick turn of events for him to be uncertain of his future and uh, suddenly make it to campus maybe a couple days before camp actually started and and propel himself into a starting role. So, uh, two huge guys that you needed to to step up right away. Kind of kind of opposite of. Uh, I guess the offensive line with those two guys, um, you know, they're, they're kind of in the heat of a battle and I don't necessarily think it's due to a high level of competition. Although Congo, I, I do like a lot more, but um, here you have two defensive linemen and uh, they come in, they're taking on starting roles. And I think that the defensive line, I was very skeptical about this group heading into spring. They had a lot of just defensive ends that were going to be moved all along. But I think that the rotation they have now, especially with these Juco guys stepping up, uh, definitely helps this group a lot. Let's move on to the linebackers. Uh, Obviously, uh, there wasn't much doubt about Colin Schooler. Um, he has put together an incredible career through his f- through his first two seasons, racking up 214 total tackles, 35 tackles for loss, and 7.5 sacks. He finished the 2018 season with 119 total tackles, fifth most in the Pac-12. His 21.5 tackles for loss during last year's season were second most in the conference, just a half behind Utah's Chase Hansen. Uh, Schooler led the Wildcats in tackles seven times last year and finished the finished second on the team twice. Uh, over his two-year career, he has averaged 8.56 tackles per game and 1.5 tackles for loss per game. He enters the 2019 season on the cusp of breaking into uh, a pair of Arizona career leaderboards. He has uh, 30. He is 36 tackles shy of becoming the just the 24th player in Wildcat history to log 250 plus tackles, and he is 5.5 tackles for loss shy of Arizona's top t- uh, 10 dating back to t- uh, 1967. Um, in 2018, the Pac-12 leading tacklers were Ben Burkerwin with 176, Evan Weaver with 159. Kuzniak with 148, uh, Darius Pickett with 123, and number five was a Colin Schooler. Um, Schooler, um, 21.5 tackles for a loss in 2018 were the second most in the Pac-12 and the fourth most in a single season in school history. Um, he's averaged 1.79 tackles for loss over 12 games last season and upped his career total to 35. His 21.5 tackles for loss in 2018 were the most recorded by a Wildcat player in 24 of the last 25 years with Scooby Wright's 29 tackles for loss in 2014 being the lone exception. So in since 1967, it's Scooby Wright. Uh, with 29, Tom Nelson with 29, Teddy Bruschi with 27.5, Colin Schooler with 20.1.5, and uh, Bill McKinley with 20. Um, again, pretty uh, high um, territory. And we alluded to this uh, in the past in the linebacker combination. Um, Right behind Schooler is the other junior linebacker, Tony Fields. The second who I think should change his uh, 
number to 11 because that would look awesome. He's logged 193 uh, career total tackles, 12 tackles for loss, and seven uh, sacks in two seasons. Um, he led Arizona with 104 tackles in 2017 and finished second on the squad in 2018 with 89. Last season, uh, Fielder and Schooler combined for a total of 208 tackles, the fourth most by any Pac-12 duo of leading tacklers in 2018. They were uh, 18 tackles clear of the number five duo. It went Weaver, uh, Kuzniak at 307, Ben Burke, Kervin, and Bartlett at 249, Hansen and Barton at 230, and then Schooler and Fields. So if you look at schools like California, Washington, Utah, Arizona has, um, you know, a comparable uh, pair of linebackers. So not surprising, the depth chart came out. Schooler, Fields, and Pandy with uh, Day-Day Coleman coming in as the backup. Um, Fields has started every game 25 straight since he became a Wildcat in 2017. Um, there's obviously a lot of depth and competition there. Uh, someone did point out that he feels like um, there would be a bigger rotation between Schooler, Fields, and Pandy for the two linebacker spots, uh, specifically citing a need to get Schooler some more rest. What do you make of the linebacker court, Gabe? I mean, you're going to get what you want out of Colin Schooler. I mean, he is the heart and soul. He's the Scooby Wright of the defense. Um, I mean, it, I'm interested to see how much better he can actually get. I mean, he's put up insane numbers and just made all the right plays that you've wanted him to make over the last two years. So uh, not a doubt in my mind that he won't perform at the same level. Uh, behind him, Dave and, or Day Day uh, Coleman. Um, I'm interested to see how he's transitioned to middle linebacker. I mean, he could really play a lot of different positions. He could play a safety. Uh, I mean, stud isn't exactly a thing anymore now that they're going four and uh, two DNs up front. Um, but, I mean, he, he's got an interesting skill set with a great frame. Uh, you haven't heard too much about him at fall camp, so... Um, we'll see that the hope would be that he takes off a lot of, uh, just unnecessary, um, I guess just beatings from school or in general. And he's going to take a lot of that wear and tear off and you could put him in the rotation and maybe towards the end of games. If it's already decided, just let him, uh, run wild and, and do his thing at will. So after the spring game, I was very impressed with Anthony Pandy. Um, I think I had tweeted out that he's kind of the breakout guy on defense this year. I think he's kind of the next Jalen Harris. Um, you know, he's just been he, he's, he's been very consistent in his limited snaps over the last two years. I know last year he got a little bit more action, but uh, he's someone who's really come along and I would not be surprised if he takes over that starting job. Uh, Tony Fields had a freshman All-American season. He kind of dipped a little bit last year, but I still think he was uh, one of the, probably the second leading tackler behind uh, Colin Schooler, if not at least in the top three or four. Um, but I think Anthony Panby's made all the right strides. A little bit bigger. He's at 229. Tony Fields is at 220. Um but I don't know. He's he's just an absolute dog out there, and um, you know I, I think 
you're very healthy right there with a two-man rotation at weak side. And uh, I, in my opinion, they play very similar, so I don't think one gives you a certain edge anywhere else. But, um, you know, I, I think that's a very good tandem that you have right there with two weak side linebackers. And then hopefully you can get Day-Day up um, to at least just take some of the reps away from Schooler. Um, not necessarily that it's a, a, I guess, a performance issue, but just more so just to keep Schooler a little bit more healthy. Yeah, that certainly makes sense. Uh, since you're going to take Pandy as your defensive uh, surprise slash breakout player, I think I'm going to go with um, uh, Trevin Mason. I, I think that's just born out of pure necessity. He's going to get a lot of opportunities, and we certainly need some um, some significant uh, depth and mass up front to replace uh, P.J. Johnson. And who's the other guy who – we lost um, Derek Bowles. Bowles, Derek Bowles. So I think out of necessity, those that's going to be my pick for surprise slash breakout player. Let's move on to the secondary uh, between uh, redshirt senior Jace Whitaker, redshirt junior Lorenzo Burns, and junior Scotty Young Jr. The Wildcats feature 82 combined games of experience in the secondary. Uh, Whitaker um, has four seasons of experience under his belt and has broken in the Arizona's career top 10 in pass breakups. He certainly sits in a tie for ninth uh, all-time with 28. Um, He had four as a freshman, 12 as a sophomore, and a career-high 16 as a junior in 13 games um, and subsequently had his uh, injury-riddled season that he got a red shirt for. Um, His single-game career-high came on October 10th at Utah where he notched five pass breakups. Um, if you look at career be- pass breakups, uh, as mentioned, uh, Chase Whitaker's tied at nine with ninth with 28, including uh, Trevin Wade and Randy Robbins. At eighth is Brandon Sanders. Uh, tied for sixth at 30 is Shaquille Robertson and uh, Jaden Brown. At fourth is Anton Kaysen and Devin Ross at 32. At third with 35 is Kelly uh, Malvo. And number two at 38 is Chuck Cecil with Michael LaViolette at uh, 44. Um, So the combined um, production from uh, Chase Whitaker, Lorenzo Burns, and Scotty Young Jr. include 82 games, 316 tackles, 63 passes broken up, and 13 interception. Um, So the, the depth chart comes out with um, returning um, Jace Whitaker and Lorenzo Burns with backups, Christian Roland Wallace and Samari Springs. I think the takeaway from this is we hope Whitaker and Burns stay healthy this year. What do you think about the cornerbacks, Gabe? Yeah, I think it was an interesting uh, depth chart here. I mean, Jace Whitaker is going to be your um, your your number one guy. By no means is he uh, – I I don't think he's someone who you really, like, watch play and you're like, oh, this guy is a lockdown corner. But, you know, on Sunday and Monday when Pro Football Focus comes out with their analytics, he's one of the highest graded shutdown corners and, uh, you know, uh, deflections or interruptions or whatever all these advanced stats are by them. Uh, he always grades out very highly. 
Um, and so he's going to be your guy, and I don't think there's any question about it. Uh, Christian Roland Wallace, he had a phenomenal spring. He came in uh, kind of like Jaden Mitchell. Everyone was talking about him. Everyone more so for Christian Roland Wallace, where they're saying he, you know, he looks like he's already a Pac-12 player and he's got great size for corner, six foot, two hundred one pounds. So. Um, definitely terrific size and he's a he's an athlete and so uh i'm interested to see how many snaps he can get Uh, i mean he's clearly gonna burn a red shirt but really it's just up to um i guess you know the quality of play between the other corners as to how much he can really step in uh lorenzo burns he's to me I, i don't know i think he's someone who could potentially lose his job um and I guess this is where my where my curiosity came in because there's no Mackenzie Barnes here, uh, you know, a, a super lanky six one. I think he's maybe around one eighty five, one ninety guy. Played a lot of snaps last year, and I thought he performed well. I thought he'd really take a good spring um, to make a big jump here, but instead it's Samari Springs, who was another one of these late additions for. Arizona and Kevin Sumlin transfer from Richmond kind of a safety corner hybrid I mean he can really play anywhere and now he's suddenly the number two corner um, and that's quite the big jump for someone who just entered the program gosh maybe July um, so to to me I think that he's someone who could eventually land in a Lorenzo Burns or um, Tamari Springs I'm interested to see where Mackenzie Barnes rolls into this and and if he is in the rotation or if they're going to kind of roll with these four. I'm very comfortable with these four to begin with, so to think that someone like Mackenzie Barnes is your fifth guy and then kind of another surprise just, and I know we'll get into the safeties eventually, but there's no Bobby Wolf anywhere here and he was one of your top three guys in this 2019 class and a four-star guy and he's not anywhere here he could play corner or safety i don't know exactly which position group they've been putting him in during fall um i haven't really heard too much about him in general um he can play corner he can play safety maybe it's more of a need-based kind of move for him uh i think he probably projects best as a corner but i could also see him at Ah, uh, well, shoot, I don't know what safety position he would be. Maybe a spur. Uh, uh, I don't know. Maybe a band. I don't know. He's he's an odd, odd safety mix here. Um, but kind of an interesting note, and I was curious to see where he would fall. And he's not anywhere here. But all in all, I'm I'm satisfied with these four corners. I'd love to see Mackenzie Barnes in the mix as well. And. Uh, I don't know. I get a feeling that Lorenzo Burns, he, he could get caught up by by one of these guys here. That was an excellent breakdown. I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I would be surprised if Burns gets replaced. So we'll have to keep an eye on that throughout the course of the season. Why don't you just continue on with the safeties, Gabe? That was an outstanding breakdown. Sure, sure. Um, so we'll start with Spur. Tristan Cooper entering his last year here um, kind of took a – backseat to uh dan crookshank 
um, his that would have been sophomore year then uh, when he moved from corner to safety. So Tristan is back. I mean, he's a guy who I think you can just rely on. I'm not sure how ready his depth is behind him. So I think he's going to be playing a bulk of the snaps. Xavier Bell kind of played a little bit last year. I know he got worked against Houston. Um, and I know that left kind of a bad image of him in my, in my mind, but um I just think I've always liked Tristan Cooper from when he first committed here. Um, and I think that he's someone that uh, is just fairly reliable for for that position. And then Jackson Turner, I was pleased to see that. There wasn't – there. I mean, his name kind of came up this spring, but he was my favorite recruit of the 2019 class, and now he's third at Spur. I wouldn't be surprised if he jumps up to number two past Xavier Bell. Um I think that could take some time for him, and I don't know exactly if that means he would get significant reps. I don't know if that means he would burn a red shirt, but it is interesting to note that he is at least on the three-deep at Spur. Um, But all in all, I think you know what you kind of get with Tristan Cooper as he enters his fourth year here. Um, If you move into... Bandit, uh, you've got Christian Young, and that was a night that was my favorite commit of the 2018 class. Um, and he was kind of floating between Bandit and Corner last year. I thought he did a great job at Corner um, when things were getting pretty rough there, and then kind of split time with uh, DFF last year at Bandit. Now it's his job fully, and uh, I, I'm. I, I'm intrigued by Troy Young making number two right here. I would have always thought it was just Chacho Uloa right there. Uh, He had kind of just always been that number two guy uh, at Bandit and kind of got just, I guess, kicked down a little bit by Christian Young. But he was always backing up DFF when uh, they were both here at the same time. And now he's rolling down a number three. I love Troy Young. He's kind of another versatile piece. You can move him to safeties. I think he played free safety. Um, Gosh, I forgot what game it was, but there was a crisis, and he was playing free safety with Jarius Wallace and without Scotty Young, Um, and I thought he played pretty well. He could also play running back. He's a phenomenal athlete. Uh, So interested to see how much run he gets with Christian Young. Christian is probably going to be playing a bulk of the snaps anyways, much like Tristan Cooper, but I like Troy Young. That's reliable depth. And then Chacho at number three, uh, you know, he's kind of a a veteran just by, I guess, the years he's been here. This is his fourth year. Hasn't gotten too many snaps. I know last year he did get a good amount, but um, you hope that, you know, for his senior year he can get a little bit more out of it uh, and then free safety Scotty Young uh, the, he was my favorite of the 2017 I just have an affection for safeties um, and now they're all kind of in the in the mix here um, but out of the 2017 class he's had uh, off-field issues and now I didn't realize uh, and it's crazy to think about this was his first full off-season and his first spring practice, and he's entering his third year in the program. Um, but hopefully, you know, he's got everything 
in order and everything is just coming right to him. I think he's one of the most disruptive players on this defense. Um, he's going to come away with some big hits, some turnovers, and he's going to make plays. So, I mean, he's easily one of Arizona's best defensive players. And then Jarius Wallace, kind of up and down. Uh, I mean, it's hard to tell what you're going to get with him. He can be very inconsistent, but um, entering his third year, fourth year, this is his fourth year now with Arizona. Um, I like him as a player. I think he's a, a decent free safety that you have as a backup. But I think, again, like uh, Christian Young and Tristan Cooper, you're going to have Scotty Young playing the bulkier snaps. Although I know Jarius has had probably maybe a better split of a 70 30 or a 30 70. Um, it's hard to tell what you're going to get with him week in and week out, though. Um, you know, it's just, it's just very inconsistent. And I think free safety could be a spot where you move somebody, maybe a Jackson Turner moves into that second spot. Um, you know, it's just hard to tell with Jarius Wallace, but um, I think you're fine with him as a backup and he can take some reps away as well. Nailed it. Um, yeah, my only real takeaway from that is I'm, I'm a little surprised. I remember when we stole uh, Chacho away from Stanford. What a big get that was at the time. And now four years later, uh, he's coming in third on the depth chart. Uh, you know, I know he had a lot of injuries this uh, offseason, um, but it's a little bit, I guess, disappointing. Um, that would be my only observation. On special teams, uh, Lucas Havarisic, uh is the starting place kicker. Uh, Matt Aragon takes over at punter. Um, and um, Castile and Barry Hill will be doing uh, punt returns with J.J. Uh, Taylor, the primary kick returner. Uh, other people getting time at kick returner would include uh, Brightwell uh, Joyner and uh, Roland Wallace. Um just some other notes um, with the passing of Dick Tomey this offseason. Um, the Wildcats are going to be wearing DT stickers on their helmets, and they'll be having additional tributes to Tomey during the home opener at NAU on September 7th and the homecoming game versus Oregon State on November uh, 2nd. Um, Mike King Johnson um, has tweeted out uh, after leaving the university, he'll be playing for New York, New Mexico Military Institute, a junior college. And U of A receiver Marcus Thomas Jr. announced that he'll be transferring to Montana State. Um, this game is going to be on uh, CBS uh, Sports Network. It's going to be playing at 7.30 p.m. Uh, on the 24th uh, local time. The announcers for the game are Carter Blackburn and uh, Aaron Taylor with Rick Neuheisel and uh, Jenny Dell. So Rick Neuheisel, as analyst, should be uh, at the very least entertaining. Uh, hopefully he won't play his guitar. Um why don't we move on just briefly to our overall um, uh, preview for the Wildcats? I know we've covered a lot of stuff in depth, but let's just hit Pil Bill Connolly's uh, preview uh, briefly, uh, and then we'll get our over-under for the season and then make our picks for the game, unless there's something else you feel like we need to hit on, Gabe. Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, I think we've got a pretty comprehensive podcast here for y'all yeah well there's more coming um and so uh up and down was the uh 
sort of uh, marker for the season for the Wildcats. Uh, and the first two wins in the last four games, he completed 60%. Uh, Khalil Tate completed 60% of his passes at 16.7 yards per completion and threw 19 touchdowns to four interceptions, averaged 81, 8.1 yards per non-sack carry and Arizona went four and two in those games and the two losses um, they scored a combined 68 points but allowed 110 um, Tate really struggled in the first two games combining that with a month a month in which he was dealing with his bad ankle he completed 52 percent of his passes at 12.5 yards per completion with four touchdowns to four interceptions. He also averaged just 3.9 yards per carry. Uh, Juve went 1.1 1. 1 and 5 uh, in this run. Uh, J.J. Taylor's is one of the nation's more underrated running backs. Um, he has uh, 2,542 2, career rushing yards. Only 21 backs have ever reached 5,000, and he'll have a chance. Um, they'll be lining up behind a line that returns four starters. Um, linebacker Colin, Colin Schooler is back after producing 21.5 tackles for loss, 23 run stuffs, and six passes defended. Arizona has one of the more exciting linebacker cores, as we've discussed in the conference, and an experienced, experienced secondary, which we've gone into uh, in depth. Gets more exciting with the return of uh, Jace Whitaker, who missed all of but one game series. Uh, all but one series last year with injury. Uh, the receiving core is starting over. Three players caught more than 20 passes last year, and they're all gone. Cedric Peterson and Stanley Berryhill um, are the small sample size returners. Um, the defensive line has to replace its two leading tacklers. Uh, the run uh, defense was uh, inefficient with them. It's not guaranteed to improve without them. Um, on offense, uh, Tate wasn't going to be running as much as he had in 2017. His uh, ratio of pass attempts to rush attempts was about 1.4 to 1. Um, previously in 2018, the ratio was 5.3 to 1. The ankle injury limited Tate. Uh, and um, he rushed just 14 times for 34 yards in the first two games. In his last four games, he completed 60% of his passes and averaged 8.6 yards per non-sack carry. Uh, however, it was only at five carries per game. Uh, Arizona averaged 39 points per game in that span. Um, even when Tate was rushing less, he was playing well. Uh, Taylor was uh, thriving in the six games. Uh, game good Tate sample Taylor rushed 153 times for 955 yards or 6.2 yards per carry and the other six he was 102 for 479 at 4.7 per carry um the number two quarterback race we've covered in detail um Arizona is the first team in FBS in solo tackles created a decent measure of how much they are spreading defenses out and 16 in adjusted pace. And they ran more frequently than the national average on both standard and passing downs. Boy, can we talk about um, Mazzoni running up the middle uh, way too many times. Um, we talked about the running back depth with Taylor, Brightwell, Smith, Tilford, uh, giving them plenty of options. Um, continuity in the passing game is typically a huge driver of improvement or regression in offensive S&P+. In fact, if you look at Bill Connolly's work, he has an entire article talking about how he adjusted his S&P this season uh, based on specific drivers for offense and returning um, – 
returning wide receivers seem to be a big driver in success. Um, he is curious how it applies here. Uh, while Sean Brown, uh, Sean Brown, Sean Poindexter, and Tony Ellison did combine for 59% of Arizona's targets last year, uh, Poindexter was the only proven receiver taller than 5'11". Um, last year's backups really did post pretty good numbers when given the opportunities on defense. Um, Bill Connolly states that he wasn't sure what to think about Mazzoni's hire, uh, but he knew he didn't like someone's decision to retain Marcel Yates, with whom he'd worked at Texas A&M as defensive coordinator. Um, obviously, Yates came here in 2016. Uh, U of A has ranked 88th and 101st in defensive S&P and Plus in the first two seasons. I've argued this a lot. Yates did upgrade the Wildcats' defensive ranking to 74th. And I wouldn't be surprised if we took a pretty significant jump up this year. I'm going to go ahead and stick with Yates. This might be an unpopular take. Uh, take. What's briefly, as we're trying to wrap up, Gabe, what's your position on Yates? I'm probably poking a beehive here. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, he's certainly had his time here He to recruit, implement, and get his guys ready and he's been outside the top 100 every single year he's been here i they were 74th last season okay so he was 88 this first season they did have that second season where they they were 101 okay so he it's not great um and but i i will always um, I, I don't want to say defend, but I will always like to point out that, you know, it, it's tough when, especially under Rich Rod, um, it didn't happen. A, well, it still happened, but under Rich Rod, you definitely had those drives where, um, you know, you're passing on first down, then you're running on second, then passing on third. And, you know, it's maybe 30 seconds off of the game clock and, you know, maybe a minute and a half in real time and you've got your punt team rolling out. And so um, just having those stagnant drives on offense, just keeping your defense out on the field all the time, that's, that's tough to work with. And so that I always kind of, I mean, depending on the game flow, I guess uh, always give them the benefit of the doubt. But um, for me with Yates and I'm, I mean, he's coaching for his job, that's for sure, this year. Um, he's got more than enough pieces this year. I think the defensive line is, is coming along nicely and a lot better than I would have imagined, and I trust um, and Coach Iona as well. Linebackers, you've got three great linebackers, and then uh, your secondary is definitely a strength now. You suddenly have some corner depth, and, I mean, you go three deep on some of these safety groups, so... Um, it's a big year for Yates, and I think Hawaii is a big test for him going up against Cole McDonald. So uh, very interested to see how that unfolds. Uh, the Wildcats ranked uh, 32nd in stuff uh, rate, run stopped or at or behind the line, and 57th percent uh, of opponents' uh, third down drives were third and seven or longer, which is 10th uh, in the FBS. Uh, they allowed a 32% success rate on third and longs, 120th in FBS. 
Um, blitz downs, second and super long, and third and five or more. They were 121st in success rate, 125th in big play rate, and 123rd in sack rate. So their biggest problem was closing the deal when they got patients in uh, or got teams in precarious uh, positions. If the blitz uh, continues to improve, um, all other concerns are secondary. Schooler is an unbelievable against a run. His 3.5 sacks uh, shouldn't have tied the team. Shouldn't have tied for the team lead with uh, in JB Brown. Uh, Derek Bowles and PJ Johnson are gone up front as we've discussed. Um, they combined for 20 run stuffs, um, but they only had 4.5 ta- sacks. Everybody else is back. Uh, Juco tackles Miles uh, Taposoa and uh, Trevin Mason are in there as we discussed. Uh, sophomore Russian Jalen Harris is hopefully uh, able to improve. Uh, schooler uh, will anchor a, a, an outstanding uh, linebacker core, um, I would argue, along with Wilburn, Harris, uh, Finley um, up front in the front seven. We discussed the secondary in significant detail with Lorenzo Burns. Um, will, uh, Whitaker's return um, Burns finished the year with two tackles for loss and 11 pass breakups. Um, it should be easier on Burns with Whitaker back and taking the number one wide receiver, as you pointed out, Gabe. Uh, Jarius Wallace is solid in big play prevention. Scotty Young Jr., Tristan Cooper are active. They combined for four tackle for loss, three interceptions, nine pass breakups, and five run stuffs. Um, additional uh People Connolly points out include Xavier Bell, Christian Young, and Mackenzie Barnes. On special teams, we were strong on kickoffs and ranked between 63rd and 74th in four of five efficiency categories. Uh, Haverisic was all over, all over the place as a place kicker. He missed two PATs but made three longer field goals. Um, and J.J. Taylor's uh, coming back on the return game. The projected number of wins is 6.2. Vegas has them at 6.5. I do think we really need to take care of business this uh, week at Hawaii. Um, you know, I, I think it's reasonable at NAU to sort of uh, get some exposure for our uh, depth players, especially the quarterback issues we discussed. And then again, when Texas Tech comes to visit, they're a number 55 projected S&P plus team. So again, we need to make sure we take uh, care of business to start off 3-0. and I think we can get back at UCLA for that uh, the Westwood loss last year, and I'm not too concerned about uh, CU, even though I'm relatively pot, you know, uh, up on the program. So I don't think a five and O start is unreasonable. Um, we took UW to overtime in 2016, um, only to lose overtime, and UW has an, a significant history a significant history as desert dogs. We really have to take advantage of that opportunity this year um, and, and cement a huge win within the Pac-12. Um, at SC is a big game, especially for a lot of the Zona kids that got passed over, and I think they're prone to overachieve more at SC than they would be say with SC here um, at Ferd at this point um, who knows but I think it's just a bad matchup the way that team lines up against us um, still um, a home field's not going to hurt we've got Oregon State at home uh, we certainly can't let up on them I think between uh, Ferd and the Ducks um, I think at Oregon 
let's hope that the ducks are kind of underachieving as we're hoping. Um, I do think we match well with the ducks and have certainly defeated them multiple times. Utah at home. I think, um, we should fake punt every single time and run up the score as high as possible. Um, I do believe that to be a bad match for Utah, especially in Arizona. And I think at ASU, um, I think it's uh, time to put Herman in his place. So I'm going to go with the over Gabe. Okay, interesting. Uh, for me, and I mean, maybe it's a bit of an emotional hedge as well, um, but I think I'm going to hit the under here. Um, I agree with you. 5-0 and o is very realistic. Um, Hawaii, I mean, you're, you're thinking that they can come out the win. Northern Arizona, no problem. Texas Tech. I mean, I I don't think it'll cause that many issues. No more Cliff. They're kind of finding a new identity there. UCLA, no one seems to really believe in Chip Kelly. They do have, I mean, not as much talent as a USC or, or an Oregon of sorts, but definitely not in the right spot. Colorado, certainly winnable. On the road makes it a little bit tougher, but um, not too much of a worry there. Um Washington, I, I don't think that they're, they're invincible, and at home certainly helps, and especially with their history here, um, or just at ASU in general. Um, SC, I, I think there's just too much talent and size, um, and I guess similar to Stanford as well, and you're going uh, back-to-back weeks playing those two. Um, I just don't think those are good draws uh oregon state uh, that there should be no issue there oregon up there that's a little concerning for me uh utah is interesting at home for sure but uh i think that might just be uh you know kyle whittingham pulling out something big and then asu in tempe definitely worrisome uh i'm a little nervous for that one but um you know, starting five and zero, it is realistic, but I feel like that's that's assuming just a lot of things go right for Arizona. So I think somewhere in there they go four and one. Um, you know, maybe they. Uh, I guess you go Oregon State there, um, and then I don't know, throw in an, another win somewhere else that they have no business winning. Um, yeah, certainly they can pull off an up. They're capable of pulling off an upset, um, and so I just don't know where that would be. But uh, seven for me, or to hit the over at seven, um, I don't know. I uh, I'm a little nervous about that. Yeah, I, I certainly think that's um, wow. Listen, I'm, I'm all in. Um, you know, but. Uh, you're right. It could definitely go one way or the other. Let's um, let's jump out to some questions. Uh, we answered um, the questions from Shane R. Uh, follow him at STR Robertson 17 uh, about who we think are going to be the most surprising guys on offense and defense at twiddle dumb at twiddle dumb 80. Will the coaches be more adaptable? Um, my take on that is probably not with Mazzoni. Uh, I don't have a lot of confidence in him, uh, but Yates has, um, 
added a four-player uh, rush. So all the times Arizona fans were lamenting the three-man uh, rush, there, there's already been a change before the season even started. Uh, what's your take on that uh, question, Gabe? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Mazzoni's just so far into his coaching career where he's got that stubbornness to him and it's kind of his way or the highway and you know he believes in his system and his roots that he's built his whole career on uh with Yates yeah I mean you have the four-man rush now um it was I mean when he came in it was still advertised as a 4-2-5 but it really just been kind of a pseudo 3-3-5 you just standing up that stud but now they're officially in so hand in the dirt every single play um, which I think should help and I think that they have some good pieces along the line to help Um, but I mean really I guess we won't we won't know about his adaptability Uh, well no they're not playing Washington State this year Washington State week one that would have been a great test to see how adaptable he is if He's just going to throw four up there and just let everyone hang back. But, um, I mean, uh, I think he knows that he's coaching for his job. So the the hope is that he would be adaptable and, and can make some good, um, you know, coaching change or not coaching changes, but um, he can, he can change the game plan up in, in the middle of the game and, and try to carry out a win. Yeah, be be sure to follow Twiddle, Twiddly Dumb at Twiddly Dumb eighty. Um, we're not going to answer this one right now, Gabe, but just as a teaser, uh, ready made at ready made underscore seventeen. Um, what's your thoughts on the Attorney General's law suite regarding the constitutionality of ASU's Novus Cordal? You'd agree it is it's an unfair advantage that ASU doesn't have to fundraise for athletics facilities, taxpayers for the bill, biggest scandal in Catholic college athletics in my opinion i think uh during week one when we don't have an active game we can go over recruiting and and dive into something uh with that much depth to it um and um but remember to give ready made a follow and then boog at underscore boog one uh shout asks uh considering arizona has a stable of four running backs four deep and two running backs who averaged five yards a carry last year how many rush attempts do you think will average a game what do you think, Gabe? Oh, I mean, I I don't want to go blind into this not knowing how many we've averaged in the past. So let, let me, me let me see let if me I got it for you, up. brother. But I mean, I'm imagining you get JJ Taylor around eighteen ish. Uh, let's let's see before I make a fool of myself. Um, I'm sure I've already done that, though. <laughs> so I've got Rush's total for the year. Uh, J.J. Taylor had 255. Brightwell had 91. Uh, Tate had 60. Bam Smith had 23. Mariscal had 17. Tilford had 13. And then Joyner, Red Rod, and Leon had single digits. So uh, 350, 410 call it 450 rushes um, uh, for the season last year. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, so overall with Taylor at 255 last year, 
Mm-hmm. So 40, 40 a game, 37.5. Does that sound about right? Yeah, because I, I was looking at the per game, and, and there's some with 37, some with 50. So um, kind of right around that range there. Um, Taylor at 255, that's interesting. That's a ton of carries um, and probably one of the highest totals nationally. So I imagine that comes it's down. It's probably 100 less than Eno Benjamin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I imagine he goes around the 200-ish mark. And then Brightwell, I mean, Brightwell will be involved in the passing game, I imagine. So uh, maybe he goes from 91 to a 130. And then, I, I mean, that it'll be interesting to see because it's an or, or, or situation with uh, Tilford. Wiley or yeah, Wiley and Smith. Um, I mean, I it, yeah, we we don't really know how much a third running back will be involved. You know, it's going to be heavy on the on the top two, but we'll see how many that third back gets. I imagine they could get about fifty, um, and then the next guy twenty five, and then if it's Michael Wiley, you play him to preserve your red shirt a little bit and just get him snaps. Um, and a couple of carries on a per game basis. Uh, gosh, I just had it. <laughs> what are you thinking? Like forty? Yeah, forty. I mean, I guess it depends on Tate too. If they're going to let him run a little bit, yeah, um, it'll probably uptick with Tate running a fair amount more. And but that's so, still on average. That's like three or four more carries per game. Might be as high as forty-five, right? I don't think. You know, Tate's going to add another 10. He may go from whatever he averaged per game carries, let's say just a handful, two or three, to seven or eight. But it's not, he's not going to go to 15 carries a game. Right. Oh, like yeah. No, no, no. Um, but I mean, if you get him rolling and then, you know, the, the running game gets rolling, and as we saw in the game notes, when, when Arizona hits those rushing milestones, they're, they're usually coming out on top. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd say north of 40, 42-ish would be would be nice. You're getting maybe 20 out of Taylor, 10, 12, 15 maybe out of Brightwell, and then kind of divvying up the rest between Tate and maybe a third string back for sure. All right, so uh, like we mentioned, the game's on CBS Sports at 7.30. Uh, the opening line was... 11 and a half, minus 11 and a half for Arizona. It's since moved to minus 11 with an over under of 74. The over under was just 70.5 the other day. So the over under has moved up quite a bit. And this is where I'm going to set the line for the rest of the boys at 74 on the over under. So that's moved up pretty substantially. People are taking the over. Ah, man. I mean, as far as this, man, that's tough. Because 11 and a half, that's, that's kind of... It, it opened at 11 and a half. It's now 11. So people are taking okay. Hawaii and the points and are taking the over. Gosh, I mean, I I, hmm, I could see this kind of a, an 8 to 10 point game. I don't know if Arizona will fully be in control and just dominate foot on the gas the entire time um i i think I'll, I'll, i would take hawaii on the points um 
the over-under is certainly interesting, especially that jump at 74. So you're saying at that point, is that 36, 36? So, no, 30, 37, 37s? Um, yeah, 30. 36, 36 would be 72, right? Yeah, so we'll go 37. That's a lot of points. Yeah, I might take the under on that with that extra four points. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take the under on that. That might be a personal play. Um, okay, under. I'm definitely um, going with Zona, and I'm definitely going with the over. And I, I had the over when it was, uh, you know, three points um three points less. Uh, so I would have liked loved to lock that in. Um, but I'll even stay at it with 74. Well, Gabe, I think that, uh, covers everything. That was a pretty extensive, uh, first week. We did an entire, uh, Pac-12 uh, roundup. We did our over/under picks, and we did uh, the Hawaii Arizona um, preview and picks. Things should start to lighten up uh, next week. I think we'll go ahead and hit the uh, recruiting roundup uh, heavy, as we don't have a game for Arizona, and we'll start the eliminator pool uh, picks uh, tech officially at week one, where we have multiple teams to start picking from. Um, anything else you want to cover before we uh, head out? I think we've hit it all, man. Bear down, Gabe. Bear down. Love you guys.